listening to the left wingers podcast we are an unashamedly left-wing political podcast made by activists for activists welcome to another episode of whinging wednesday every whinging wednesday we'll be giving you our hot takes on the week's news stories playing games and responding to what you our listeners have to say in today's episode we'll be discussing the sue gray update and that's kind of building on last week's predictions episode that we did um, we're going to see if anything has actually come out of this this update, whether it's even worth talking about, really. Um, and then we're going to move on to a quiz about Boris Johnson and basically how his entire career has been built off of lies. <laughs> Fun times. So I guess we've got to start with the story of the week, which is sue gray or the lack of the report or the update or whatever they're calling it absolute scenes in the commons on monday and tuesday as people are reacting to this in live time uh it's clearly drove the media uh, around the bend and i seem to every time i look at my phone there seems to be another tory mp either submitting a letter of no confidence or withdrawing a letter of no confidence so i know we spoke about it in previous episodes but i'm very interested to see whatever that number is now uh, and I'm sure Sir Graham Brady is a busy man. Yeah, I don't doubt that at all. I think, you know, getting an update has been disappointing when we thought that we were going to get the full report. But the the update in itself was very damning and it allowed Boris's enemies to sink the teeth in a little bit, uh, which is quite satisfying to watch during the, mm. the Commons uh, statement on on the report. Um, at the same time, it is disappointing that we we don't have the full report and... Uh, it's so depressing that Boris Johnson will be able to keep kicking the can down the road. And I I hope that we keep pushing him on this issue, keep pushing and pushing, but also that we, we recognise his tactic, which is to to distract, to kick the can down the road, to say, oh, well, aren't we meant to be talking about bigger issues than this? And say, well, actually, the fact that you can't be trusted play, plays into a lot of these bigger issues, like how are we supposed to trust you on the economy? How are we supposed to trust you on foreign affairs and dealing with the, the crisis in Ukraine if we can't trust you to not just stick to your own rules, but actually stick by the law and not feel as though you're above it? Because that's actually really concerning and really, really damning for him as a as a character. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, and away from the Tory point of view, perhaps, and towards Labour, I did think, I know he has his detractors and he's a very mixed man on this podcast especially, but Keir absolutely smashed out the park on Wednesday, I thought, um, especially listening to people who are usually maybe a bit more apathetic towards him or are maybe unsure about him. Everyone on the Labour side of things, including many Tories, have been very impressed with what he had to say. Um, and not just that six-minute response he had in the Commons, but also the way he's turning the story away from, well, Boris is incompetent and a liar. I think most people accept that. But the fact he's now moved on to, because he is so incompetent, none of us can get on with what we need to do. 
to make this country better. And I feel like that could be the next step in stone for Labour. And I think they are pivoting towards that messaging. Yeah, it was one of those moments listening. So I started off listening to the the Commons debate in the car, actually, and then eventually moved inside with my family. But my my, my family actually insisted that we stay in the car and listen to what Keir Starmer had to say, because they, they recognised that what he was saying was really powerful and that I suppose it was a cut through moment in British politics, potentially. Um, and I, ha- I really hope it is. I really hope we start seeing the, the Tories stick the boot in and just get rid of him because he's... It's not, it isn't just about Boris Johnson, but he is, you know, at the centre of the problem. And just for the sake of the country and getting on with things and having a proper policy agenda, they do need to get get rid of him. I can't see any other way of getting through this personally. I think he can bumble through it, at least until the end of the year. But something else is going to come up and it's going to be his death knell. And he's not going to be able to get through it again. And it'll, they'll have just wasted, in my opinion, a lot of time where they, they could have been electing a new leader and getting them established before the next general election. And obviously for mm-hmm. us in the Labour Party, that is a brilliant thing. It's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, please, Conservative MPs, actually keep him in for as long as possible because I see him as a, as a one-way ticket to Labour government. But at the same time, for the sake of the country as a whole, we need things to be done day to day. And I just can't see him or any of his his colleagues really in the, the cabinet doing anything in the next in the next year apart from deflecting from their failures. Yeah, I, I semi-agree with you, Brandon, actually. I think that it's just going to keep going. And the problem is now not that the Sue Gray report or the Metropolitan Police investigation does or doesn't come out. The problem is for him, I think, is that he's almost guilty by the public have decided that he's guilty on mass like a mass consciousness has decided that he's guilty and it's very difficult to kind of prove that wrong and to say that he's innocent if he thinks he is because I think people on the whole have just said yeah you definitely like the evidence for them they feel is overwhelming and the writing's on the wall now what I also think and another thing is that I from the Labour side I find it I find it quite challenging is that it's quite helpful for him to keep talk for this to keep going on because it's distracting us from a lot that's going on behind the scenes. Russia and Ukraine is one. Inflation is another. Cost of living is another. But if you were te- if you were to take these issues separately, like uh, Ukraine, Russia, or or even inflation, you know, it's it's going to hit a thirty year high. There's another there's another round of tax rises that are planned in the next in April in the next few months. That on its own usually would be enough to push out a government or to really put a government under pressure. And that's what we should be talking about. And that's and I find it as someone who's quite politically minded, quite challenging that everyone is now just speaking about was he at the party? Was he not at the party? Was there cheese? Was there birthday cake? Because that's almost that's one issue. But people on the ground are going to find, especially in the next six months, Unless something quite drastic is done, life's going to get a lot harder for them. And I, I think, especially with things around the world going on at the minute, so just an example, Boris was supposed to be, I think on Monday, he was supposed to be in uh, Ukraine talking to, connecting with members of the G7 and connecting with NATO. Um, so that's actually, that's Britain in the wider world. That's a, that's a time and a place for Britain to step up and show leadership. And he wasn't there because he had to come, he had to, come to the house and defend his, defend his comments. I found that I found that I, I'm finding that quite difficult. Like there are very serious things happening in people's lives that are just 
not being spoken about because of this consistent in- incompetence. So while it's quite fun to be like, oh, well, did he have a party? Like we will, we are a political podcast. We're going to joke about it. There are key issues that are going on in people's lives that aren't being discussed. And my concern is, is that he won't address them. And then he's gone, but people's lives don't get any better. And I don't, I don't know how to square that circle, but I think it's worth talking about. Similar to that as well is the fact that not only when he, when he does eventually leave, because of the way he operates, creating chaos around him, it just makes normal people, people who aren't perhaps politically inclined, more apathetic to government in general. Yeah, so not only is it turning people's lives into perhaps misery or more discomfort, but also affecting people's perception of politics and turning people away from getting involved when, as the Labour Party and as politically involved people as a whole, we should be encouraging more people to get involved. Yeah, and not only that for me, this whole situation is embarrassing. It's just... You know, it makes it makes me ashamed of the direction that this country's going if we say that this is acceptable behaviour and if he gets away with it and if the, the, the Tories don't get rid of him because this is a news story that, as, as much as it's been covered a lot in UK uh, media, it has been covered across the world to, to different extents and other countries have been laughing at our government and that really pains me as somebody who does really believe in our country and does describe themselves as a patriot that actually Boris and the people around him, this current Conservative government, are not just a laughing stock in this country, but also it's getting shown, not, not as a top news story, don't get me wrong, but it's getting shown in other countries, it's getting shown in Germany, it's getting shown in America, you know, further down the news story, but still it's on their minds that Britain's lost its way. And I think that's that's been in a lot of people in other countries' minds for a long time. But this kind of, this is just another big example of how we've we've had a failure of government, really. Yeah, I completely agree. But, you know, we could actually, I've, I feel for the first time in a long time that Labour might actually be able to seize the agenda here. And it's the right man at the right time because he has such a grip, Starmer has such a grip on law and order. And I think that that's really useful that he's able to do that and that you almost you almost have the opposite like they are both men they're both white men but like you almost have the opposite in personalities and between like a rule breaker and someone who like follows it to the letter and it's I wonder how team Starmer will make the most of that in the in the upcoming weeks and months but I was like Eshan said earlier we have been critical of Starmer on this podcast we are all Labour voters we are all Labour members I will always support Labour um but I do think that he came into his own I've thought the last two out of three PMQs were really good from him. And I also thought the Monday um, common session uh, was particularly impressive. So, you know, more of that from Team Starmer. Great to see Angela as well. Great to see Emily Thornbury out on the media rounds, taking names. You know, always good to see Labour on top because it very rarely happens. I think one thing that I am a great, I have a great respect for kind kind of parliamentary procedure and how complex the the organism which is parliament is really but at the same time it does disappoint me that there are still rules in place which prevent the the leader of the opposition 
um, other opposition parties from calling out the government for for what the situation is and it's blatant lying it's blatant misleading the house and I feel like when there is evidence that you've misled the house and it's at least in parliament and and the wider public there's a general consensus that you have misled the house then you should be able to say actually no it was it was deliberate and this is why this government needs to go and I think you know I I get why Lindsay Hoyle stuck to the rules because he's very much a rules kind of kind of guy but it was it did it did just allow a part of me to die inside when he was like actually no and Ian Blackford get out of the the commons chamber you know it, invoking his power to remove someone from a chamber because he said that he deliberately mis, misled the house or he called him a liar I believe um, and it did pain me that that's the kind of procedures that take place in parliament even if I generally have a respect for for how the the organization works I think that certain rules like that in this instance need to be made a little bit more lax due to the situation that we're in. No I think to, to disagree with you Brandon I think the rule is actually a pretty honourable rule and if it I wouldn't blame the house for the issue we're in now I feel like it is probably down to the speaker to use his discretion which he is not doing rather than the actual rule that's written because I would say I don't know any other government or any other political party who are in government or in opposition could then almost use that if we altered that rule almost use it against the government in a sort of filibuster or sort of just to clog up the news headlines type way and I kind of like how you can't just have someone who you disagree with just shouting down at a government minister or shouting at a shadow minister and I think the real issue is that Johnson and the Tories have turned that way, not the House or not the opposition members. That's a really excellent point, actually. That being said, I feel like this <laughs> is <laughs> this is quite a, an extreme example. I I know that we haven't been on this planet for very long, compared to some of our listeners might might be a little older. But in my living memory, I, I can't remember a government which has been this blatantly misleading and they they know what they're doing it's all part of the tactic of distraction distraction deflection move on the the news agenda from party gate and i feel like you know you should be able to catch headlines with the opposition leader calling the prime minister and the government liars because we we know that's what's happening like if it was if it was disputed or if there wasn't if there wasn't evidence put forward then fair enough you know you can't baselessly call people liars but if you say you came to the house and said you weren't at this party and now we have photo evidence of you were at that party does that make you a liar well yes it does especially seeing as everybody would come out of that that debate agreeing that it was done on purpose and not it was an accident he wandered in oh no there's cake or maybe there wasn't cake like we know that that happened and that the government's line is still it didn't happen or it didn't happen like you said it happened um really it is really interesting to me to see how how all these kind of procedures play out because we saw a lot of them go into action during the brexit process but now it's a completely different kind of context yeah yeah it's very different and i can't help but feel what we're seeing wouldn't have happened under may or cameron even if they ideologically would have thought the same on the issues of the day i can't help but feel it's it's this man and this man only that's really causing issues for the parliamentary system. 
but I think you know Lindsay Hoyle he's doing he's doing what we think is what he thinks is the right thing I don't think he's a very happy bunny with Boris Johnson anyway so I can't help but feel that there's probably a lot going on behind the scenes there that we don't see but I can't help but feel like Lindsay Hoyle feels like Parliament and the House has been taken for granted and taken for a ride but then on the other hand I think we're probably one of a handful of countries where you can actually recall the prime minister to come and stand and sit in the commons and to answer questions. And I think there are, there are only a handful of a few countries in the world where a metropolitan police service, you know, a police service can can prosecute a, a sitting prime minister. We saw it with um, we saw it back during the coalition when I think uh, that uh, Lib Dem MP went to jail. Given his given those driving points to his wife, so we've seen it happen before. But it is nice that we live in a country where the rule of law should apply to everyone, and hopefully, it's just a matter of time before the game's up. On a quiz of Boris's lies and conspiracies, especially since that was something that's been picked up in regards to Keir's time as DPP. Where we're going to do this quiz is Kathleen and Brandon. You're each going to have write down secretively your answers to my questions, and whoever wins gets um, nothing but the pride of winning my quiz, and that's quite a big prize. <laughs> right. So first off, a bit of a history one, although not. I think we all would have been alive when this happened, but I'm not going to tell you the date. Um, which Conservative leader sacked Boris Johnson as a shadow minister? After finding out he had lied about having an affair. Oh, I know. I should know this. Oh, I know this. So, give you a bit of a clue. He is a shadow minister. So, it would have been one of the few times where Conservative leaders were in opposition. Yeah, I've got an answer. Right, number two for you Londoners out there. There's one in this podcast, I do believe. <laughs> um, how much did Boris Johnson spend as Mayor on the Garden Bridge projects um, before it was finally scrapped by Sadiq Khan. And I'll give you multiple choices here because I'm a very kind man. Oh, nice. A, was it 350 million? B, 10 million? Uh, or C, 43 million? Oh, that was difficult. All right. Number three, um, whilst campaigning in 2017, what did Boris Johnson joke about in a Sikh temple which angered members of the congregation? Oh, I know this. Oh, God, I really don't know. I can't remember. I can remember the, yeah, the anger this. from it, but I can't remember what the what the actual substance was. Yeah, I know this. Um, right, number four. Um, in what shop did Keir Starmer mock Boris Johnson over the Wallpapergate scandal during the May 2021 local elections. I feel like it was a... Oh, gosh, I can't actually... Yes. Oh, no, I've got it, I think. I'm, OK, I'm going to write something quite general down here. Right, and last, number five. Um, how much did the disgraced MP, Owen Patterson, take from his second job as a lawyer, which broke lobbying rules? Is it? A, 400,000, B, 600,000, and this is pounds, by the way, um, and C, 1.2 million. And obviously this led to a domino effect of supposed, well, the domino effect of chaos, which is the current. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, any of the figures 
that you've quoted in those questions are are pretty appalling. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be interesting. Yeah. Go on, put us out of our misery. All right, then. So, number one, it was, in fact, Michael Howard in Uh, 2004. I wrote that. Yeah, you did. One point to Kathleen, who sacked him after he found out from his aides that Boris Johnson had been lying to him about having an affair. Number two, it was in fact forty-three million pounds that um, Boris I actually Johnson got that one. <laughs> I didn't get the first one. Um, as Mary <laughs> London. And number three, he joked about bringing whiskey back from India. Oh god! Um, oh, I put colonialism. Does that count? That definitely counts. That's that doesn't really. count. Yeah, <laughs> it does because it's about colonialism. Is it? Yeah, yeah, of course, because obviously it was about the trade. I feel like I got I'm closer point. than you, and I put pass. I, I, so I, I, I'm going to give But anyway, number four, it was in fact John Lewis where Keir Starmer. <sighs> oh no! I put a leading up holsters. Damn, Boris Johnson. I give myself another half point for that. I put mm. um, a wallpaper shop slash carpenter. <laughs> I put all holsters. Yeah, I, I, was like, I wish it was because yeah. I because I I remember cool. the image of Keir looking at a thing, being like, yeah. "Where the wallpaper works?" That's why I put that's why I put yeah. that. John Lewis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Fair enough. And finally, this. number five. Owen Patterson did in fact take four hundred thousand pounds from his people who he was lobbying oh. for. Yeah. Um, which in fact led to the domino effect we see today well i got nailed it one out of five so i feel like even with your um your really tenuous answer kathleen i think you've still beat me there Uh, and you win a sean's respect that's it for a week until the next quiz yeah until until the next next feature until my next feature anyway unfortunately that's all that we've got time for today thank you for joining us for another episode of winging wednesday we'll be back next winging wednesday with a new episode hopefully about something other than sue gray um but we shall see we shall see if you enjoyed listening to us please subscribe to this podcast to be notified when our new episodes come out we also have a mailing list the winges community which you can join using the link in this episode description Likewise, you can keep in touch with us using our social media links, which are also found there. Keep whinging, watch out for the Sue Gray report, and we'll see you next week.